0: Welcome back. Hi, friend. I hope you're doing well today. Today's episode is a really intimate and vulnerable conversation with my friend Brenda. And we talk about children uh, being caught in the disease of addiction. So I hope you grab a cup of tea or your favorite latte, sit back, enjoy it. We're getting a little bit deep. Make sure to check out the show notes. Grab an Apollo Neuro if you're having issues with any sleep or that anxiety that doesn't let go. You can find a discount code over on my website at lanekennedy.com and check out the DNA coaching I have right now. I'm offering a discount through the holidays because your health matters. Your DNA is here to give you answers. So book a session with me. Let's get that going. Let's get into today's episode.
1: Hi, you are talking with Brenda Zane. I am the host of the Hope Stream podcast and also the founder and host of an online community for mamas of kids who are struggling with
0: substance use called The Stream. And this is The Connected Calm Life. Brenda, really happy to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. I'm looking forward to this conversation as I do with all my co-hosts. You're listening to the Connected Calm Life. If you're new here, thank you for being here. If you're coming back, thank you. Oh my gosh. If you've been listening for a while, I just want to ask, do me a favor, please. Will you head on over to iTunes, Silly iTunes, and do a little rating and review about the show so other mothers and parents can find this message? It's really, it's crazy how that little three-sentence review pushes the podcast up so others can find it. And I would love you forever. Thank you. Yes, I will second that motion, please. Yeah, right. It's so nuts. Brenda, now, where are you located in the world? I'm located in the world of Seattle, Washington. Yeah. yeah. I was up in Seattle drinking. Okay. So not recently. Not recently. Okay. I went up, uh, I had a girlfriend who was a photographer and she had an ex who ha- was up there. She's like, let's go on a road trip. And I was like, sure, whatever little did i know that we were going to see her ex and at the time i'm drinking we're drinking we're out it was a disaster needless to say Uh, but what i remember is how the air smelled like i can still smell the air
1: there is a smell there really is a smell especially after it rains which is a lot of the time.
0: so (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe
1: that's why there is a smell, but there really is. Um, I don't know if it's the trees or the cement. I was actually noticing, it's funny that you say that because I was out with my dog this morning and I thought, I can't smell it because I'm getting over COVID and I still don't have my smell or taste. And it was so sad. It was like, I normally like
0: take a big inhale and Mm -hmm. nothing. (sighs) Yeah. How has it been not having your smell or taste? It is,
1: I would say, very disorienting mm-hmm. because a lot of our um, our days and our time is kind of marked through food. Yeah, And so when you can't taste anything, at least for me, this is my experience, I don't really even want to eat because it's just a pain because I can't taste anything anyway. So like I just had oatmeal, it's one, it's one o'clock or one thirty, and I just had oatmeal. Because I'm like, I don't care. I just need something in my stomach. So I'm not a fan.
0: No, I can't imagine. The other night I cooked uh, a mushroom medley and some Brussels sprouts and I'm very much into herbs. And I was just thinking about how that would have been a total, that would, I could not have, no. No,
1: it's not good. It's also very hard because um, I think your smell is a big part of your safety as well. Yes. As far as like, I wouldn't smell smoke if Mm -hmm. my house was on fire. (sighs) Um, I looked and there was a bunch of food sort of rotting in the compost Mm -hmm. container. Mm -hmm. Couldn't smell it. So it's it's not good. It's really not
0: good. It's funny that you say that my niece, one of my nieces got COVID and she has an infant and her husband wasn't home and she left a pot on the stove and it didn't go well. They're, they're okay. But it was because she couldn't smell. Yeah, She couldn't smell. And I'm just thinking about how the, the rollout of that, right? How many people have been affected by that yeah. and how nobody, nobody's talking about that. One more thing that nobody talks about. Right, It just makes <laughs> me crazy. I
1: know. Well, I think,
0: you know, I kind of feel like when I talk about it, it's
1: so minor in comparison to what other people have gone through with COVID. So I kind of hate to even say anything because it's like, eh, poor you, you can't smell anything or you can't taste anything. But um, it is kind of mentally weird. Like Mm -hmm. it kind of messes with you, uh, at least for me. Food's not my thing to begin with. So I don't need any more challenges with it. And this has really (laughs) put me over the top.
0: Oh, interesting. What other challenges do you have about food?
1: Well, I have, I'm kind of two years into the process of trying to get over SIBO, S-I-B-O, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. So that um, really impacted me for about 10 years that I didn't know. I was just told that I had a sensitive stomach. I had IBS. I had, you know, gluten intolerance. You you name it, I had it. Mm -hmm. So for the last... Uh, I guess it's been, no, probably 12 years. Just food has really been a struggle. It's been super painful to eat, um, which makes you not want to eat, obviously, when it hurts really bad. And so that's been a struggle, but I found a great doctor. She's helping me through it and I feel a lot better. And then I got COVID and it seems like something's just not good with my stomach again. So, um, and part of that is that I don't really want to eat So I've always had this kind of weird relationship with food now um, for the last, you know, decade. So to not want to eat because you can't taste anything isn't really good for your gut. You know, you need to have a nice diverse gut microbiome. I could go into that. That's, I feel like I could almost be a gastroenterologist by now. And so that's not happening because I'm eating oatmeal for lunch.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. So a lot of my clients will have SIBO symptoms and going through that process and kind of unwinding somebody's microbiome, it takes so much time and commitment and dedication. And you have to be at the right time in your life to say, I am going to take that on and finding a practitioner that can help you because yes. there's so many, so many doctors that just don't know that they, they just, they're not trained. They don't have, they, they just don't take the time. Yeah. Right. So I'm so glad that you found that, but I understand that it's so the process. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think, you know, I had one, one doctor who
1: told me, um, he was very condescending. He told me that I had a yoga teacher, um, syndrome, which was that I was trying to eat a certain weight so that I would look like my yoga teacher.
0: What? I know. back. No, he did. He did you report did. him? I mean, who do you report that to? That's ridiculous. I don't know. Oh my god. Yoga teacher syndrome. No. I
1: said, I'm pretty sure that's not it. And then you, when I no. found out I had SIBO, I was like, Oh,
0: yeah. Oh my not god. Not
1: yoga teacher syndrome. No. <sighs> so yes, it can be it can be extremely frustrating. And you're not and a yoga teacher. I am not a yoga teacher. Right. Okay. No. He thought that I was I was looking at my yoga teacher thinking that I needed to look like her and eat like her and be like her. And this is why I was having so many stomach problems.
0: No. Yeah. I just, okay. Yeah. Uh, Well, to a speedy recovery, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. I, I know it's, it's a challenge for so many. You're not alone in that. And I was just thinking as you were talking, I know you're in recovery as well.
1: Yes. And yeah. I, yes. It's it's kind of weird. I don't think of myself in recovery, but I guess I am. I'm in recovery from my kid. <laughs> I'm in recovery from a lot of trauma related to that, and I quit drinking about a year and a half ago. And so I don't really think of that as being in recovery so much, because um, for me it was. I don't know. It wasn't very dramatic. It was sort of a. It doesn't have to be. Right. So. But yeah, I am. I think yeah. we're all in recovery, right? From something.
0: Well, people don't identify as that. People don't understand right. it. Yeah. But there is something really beautiful about being able to get on the other side of something like your SIBO, like this 10-year process that you've been like, and you're yeah. now in recovery. You constantly are in self-care mode. That's, that's recovery for me is about taking care of yourself in new ways. Yes. And- there's so many layers to that so you you mentioned your your kiddo yes so let's let's talk let's explore that a little bit because I uh, when I talk to you and hear this I'm just like wow wow
1: yeah do you want the cliff notes version (laughs) yeah let's just give our
0: listeners the cliff notes um how did yeah let's yeah yeah. Go ahead. So he,
1: um, my oldest, so I have four boys, two of my own, 2 stepsons. Which is a
0: lot right there.
1: Which is a lot.
0: That's a, lot, a lot of boy of, energy.
1: It's a lot of testosterone. Yes. And a husband and two boy dogs.
0: Oh my so, God.
1: Yeah. So if I ever call you and I say, I need girl time. Yeah. <laughs> trust me, I do. <laughs> um, yeah. So my oldest, he is now 24, but... He got into a really risky lifestyle, um, drugs, alcohol, drug dealing, you name it, everything bad that you never, ever, ever want your child to get into. Um, he did that. He did all those things. Um, and then some, and so. And
0: And this is your, this is your child birth child.
1: Yes. This is the child I brought into the world. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes, he is. He's my oldest. Um, and so he started this when he was thirteen. And we went through all of the bad stuff that you can go through, you know, dropping out of high school, going through truancy court, going through multiple versions of treatment, wilderness therapy, residential living, you know residential treatment, um, detox, traditional rehab. Back to sober living, you know all all of the resources, and we were so 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 fortunate to have resources to throw at it. Um, a lot of people don't, so we did all of that, and it um, was it was a lot of years of just torture and hell um, living through that, and. You know, because it impacts the whole family.
0: How did you um, discover that you have a thirteen-year-old drug dealer in your house?
1: <laughs> well, he wasn't dealing yet then. Um, as far as I know, you find out when this when the middle school calls you, uh, and you're on a business trip, and they say your son uh, is in the principal's office because he had marijuana on him. Got it. And the teacher saw him giving it, giving some to somebody else at the school. Yeah. So that's where, that's where it started, um, to, to, you know, to hit me in the face. I mean, I think we were worried uh, Mm -hmm. about his, some of his behavior, but that was the first like real deal. And then there's, you know, all the school consequences that come with that as far as you have to go to drug and alcohol school, which is by the way, where kids meet other drug dealers. So that was really helpful. Um, you know, being suspended from school all of that. Um, And that's when we started, you know, with a therapist and all of the different things that you do um, to help a a child when they're doing that. But um, he had been really impacted by my divorce. I had been divorced uh, about three years at this time. Um, Me thinking that it was very, because it was an amicable divorce, not really realizing what it had done to his world. His brother reacted very differently. His brother, you know, was um, very positive. He had really good friends. You know, he just handled it very differently. Uh, but we didn't know any of that at the time, and and so he uh, he went through a lot, and he had a lot of traumatic things happen to him. You know, as a result of a of a really risky lifestyle. He had friends die, um, friends commit suicide. Just mm. a lot, a lot, a lot for person
0: for somebody. It's fascinating to me to just pause and reflect on where our society is. So, when I was growing up, I started drinking when I was thirteen years old, and we drank in in my house or at someone's house, um, and. The, there weren't the drugs, I guess. You know, there wasn't the opioid crisis that we're all uh, in. And there wasn't the the crazy drugs that are out there now, the Molly. You know, it, just, it, it was very different back when I was going to school. And I remember my brother, uh, when he, he's five years younger than me. And when he was in high school, there was this kind of a drug dealer that was coming up and uh, he was hanging out with this crew, but he played football. Thank God he played football. And they went to a party and they drove drunk and he lost his best friend. my My brother ended up in the hospital for two weeks in a coma. I thought I lost my brother. And it's this moment in my life that like, it's an imprint of how dangerous drinking, drugging, all of it is right. But as an alcoholic, I still went out and drank and used. I still did it. So I'm just thinking about the kids right now in life, they're up against so much pressure and so much, uh, it's so easy to get, like it wasn't easy for me to get. Right. Exactly. We couldn't just dial up Snapchat and no. have it delivered to our house. Right, right. Yeah. In episode uh, episode 27, Lynn talks about her son who, who does that exact thing where he's on Snapchat and the, the dealer comes to the house and drops it off. Yeah. And it, it's like, this is our society where we're at right now. And how it's like, what do we do for the children? Because they're children. But then what do we do for the parents or the support system around to say, you know what? You don't have to live like that because they're not, I mean, my brother was not interested in, you know, checking out Alcoholics Anonymous or checking out a treatment center or like, he wasn't interested in that. I can't believe that your kiddo went to all those things. Like, that's amazing. He didn't have a choice. He was under 18. (laughs) Okay. So I just, it's like, what do we do? Let's start with like, what do we do for the parents when, like for you, right? What did you do? Like who's around to support you through that? It's kind of Nobody. heavy. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> yeah.
1: Nobody. Um, now there is, um, but at the time, so this was 2013, 14, and I, now I know that there were podcasts back then, but I did not know that at the time, I had never heard of a podcast in 2013. So um, I didn't know another parent who was going through it. I thought my kid was the only horrible child in the world. Um, I couldn't imagine that anyone else was going through this because it just nobody talks about it. And so I did go to Al-Anon For a little while, um, I found a parent, actually a parents group for Al-Anon, which was helpful. So I I think that might be rare. I don't know that there's a lot of specific groups for parents in Al-Anon. Maybe there are, but that was helpful for me to walk into a room with 35 other parents
0: and say, oh, I am not the only one. Okay. And therein lies the problem right there that... There's 35 parents in a room that have kids with problems and they know that their kids have a problem. How many more families don't know? Correct. There's, right. Like this blows my mind to new proportions yeah. and I feel so powerless about, I just, I'm like, oh my God, like I have a, tw- you know, a 12 year old and I'm freaking out about it.
1: Yeah yeah it's um, I think a lot of parents ignore the little rumblings in their stomach that tell them that something is off. It may not it may not be substance use. It may just be I say just. I shouldn't say that. It may be anxiety or depression or another mental illness. Um, but we don't want to see that. And so often, what I see in the people that I work with is they they um, write off or excuse away behaviors that they see or just gut feelings that you feel because you unless you've adopted your child you know later in life you you know this kid you know them better than anybody else knows them and so when things start to look differently it's pretty clear if you're, you know, an
0: in tune parent. Can you give an example of that? Because that that I just, I'm going all over the place. (laughs) So maybe give an example of like 14 and then maybe again, like maybe 17, like two different examples. Yeah. That would be helpful. I think.
1: Yeah. I think in the younger age um, and, and this is the biggest question is because parents of teenagers already know that they're these are the years when the kid oops sorry these are the years when kids start acting differently because they are teenagers and so it can be confusing to pull apart what is normal teenage behavior versus what is um, behavior that you need to start looking at the number one thing that i hear and that i experienced was i started looking at my son and listening to him and looking at his friends and i said who is this kid i don't know who that is. That's not my kid. So yeah. he changed. He changed. Um and there was a there was like a, a big fissure in our relationship. So where we used to cuddle and snuggle and laugh at, you know all of the things you do. When those things go away and you feel like you have lost that relationship, that is a big sign that something's off. Again, it might not be substances. So I don't want to freak people out. Right but that is a that is a sign that something is going on with that child that they're not feeling like they can have that relationship with you. And I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I like to put that out there. Um, I am just saying this from my own personal experience and with the hundreds of parents that I've worked with is that you will start to say, who is that kid? And not in a good way, not like, oh, wow, look at him. He's so big and he's so grown, right? Or she is so big. It's kind of a like, where did my kid go? Um, And it might not be all the time. So you might have glimpses. Like when we would go away on a vacation, I would kind of get him back. And I'd be like, oh, okay, here he is. Like, there's my kid. But he wasn't around his friends. He wasn't around all of those influences. And so... That's, I think, a a sign that parents really need to be aware of is, are you looking at your kid and saying, who is that? I don't recognize this person that's living in my house. And that could be at 13 or that could be at 17. Um, That really could
0: be at either. That's kind of scary. It's terrifying. Well, and I'm just thinking about, again, like my son, he'll be, he's 12 and if he changed like that, if he changes, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to, just, yeah. What, what do you do? I mean, well, there's um, the support group. That's
1: yeah. I mean, having support and I think being connected with other parents who are feeling that same feeling uh, really helps because then it's not like you tell a friend and they look at you like, well, then obviously you're doing something wrong as a mom because there is still a lot of that, you know. No, no. It's terrible. No. The judgment and the the shame uh, that you can feel because of friends, family members um, is very real. And that's what, you know, it's kind of like you touch a hot stove once, like you try to open up once with somebody and you get that in return you're going to be very hesitant to open up again. And so then you get into this like spiral of being quiet about it, worried to death about it. I mean, you want to talk about stomach issues. The moms I work with, they almost all have stomach issues because the level of anxiety that they're living with. And we all know the like gut brain connection. It's just a mess and so they get colds and get they get sick all the time they have migraines they have stomach issues you know the body like you talked about when when we talked um on my podcast the body starts to show it yeah and that is if you're experiencing that level of anxiety and fear yeah. that's a clear sign that you you've
0: got to get some help i think there's something you know the body is so the body's always right The body always knows the, the mind is a dangerous playground, but the body knows the truth. And so when I'm just thinking about, you know, like I know when my son does something that I'm like, dude, you're, you're not on top of that. Right. Right. And so I'm just, as I'm hearing you and thinking about the shame, and then it becomes a secret because you can't really talk to your everybody, it just becomes this really messy situation. Yeah. But what I'm, what I'm thinking about or what I'm, how I'm feeling is that when a mom or when a parent finds themselves or a friend finds themselves in this place, listening to the body, right? Listening to that inner voice, like something, where's my kid? Where's my friend? Where's my daughter? Like listening to that voice, listening to the body of the voice of the body and then allowing forgiveness. I guess I keep hearing because I know that there's so much guilt. Like it just adds up. Like I didn't do it right. Oh yeah. I did something wrong. What what's yeah. wrong with me? I can't do this. I parented right like that's what I'm thinking about over here in my little stuff. Yeah. Right? So I'm constantly in forgiveness work and the work that I do with ladies like, it's constantly about that. Yeah. So is that what are some of the uh, the truths that you kind of operate on or what are some of the, the tools that you hold on to? To support, you know, friends and family in going through something like this.
1: Well, I, you're you're so right. The body is always right, and and the shame and and this the time that we spend doing the forensics on our life and the our our child's life, we literally could like get hired by the FBI. Like we spend hours. The detailing that decision, that car ride, that overnight, you know, at Johnny's house. I mean, we were crazy, crazy. I don't know if dads do that. I would love to hear from dads, but I know moms do it. We we do a forensic in, investigation into every moment of our kid's life when something happens and where did I go wrong? What did I do? And So forgiveness for sure is a big one. Um, There's four things that I kind of in, in all of the, the work that I've done in the last couple of years, I try to kind of roll it all up. Like, what do I hear over and over and over from all of the experts that I talk to all the parents that I work with? And one of them that sounds so counterintuitive in this conversation is not to sacrifice yourself for your kids and it sounds counterintuitive because our kids need a lot and they are going through a lot and there's a lot of pressure on them and we have to make sacrifices for sure whether that's with our time with our attention or whatever um but if we are sacrificing our entire self for them that just puts so much pressure on them, and I think um, I don't know the exact quote. Glennon Doyle had it in her in Untamed, um, where she said something like the uh, like the greatest burden that you can put on your kids is your unlived life. And when our kids are feeling like my mom or my dad is living their entire life, for me, think about how much pressure that puts on those kids.
0: Too much. It's too much. Too much. It's deadly.
1: Too much. And so one of the things that I work on in, in our community with moms is to get them out of that mode, to rewind to before you were married, before you had kids, what did you love to do? What lit you up, right? And to get back, even if you only do that one hour, once a week, go back to that and stop putting your whole life on hold for your kids. It's just too much for them. Um, So that's one which sounds very counterintuitive, but it's one that I keep hearing and seeing and I lived for sure. Uh, And then then I think something else that I learned the hard way and, and a lot of moms that I work with do is that they don't want their kids to feel the negative emotions. They don't want their kids to be sad. They don't want them to be frustrated. Um, they don't want them to be angry. And so when something happens, they go into fixing mode and it's okay, but look at it this way, but look at it that way. But well, you know, no, you, that's not that bad. And and they are always trying to change those negative emotions into positive ones. And that's, you know, that, that seems to make sense, but then how are they going to know down the road what to do? when they feel those things that they're inevitably going to feel, um, they're not going to know how to cope with those. And what we know about substance use in in kids especially is that they work really, really well to numb out uncomfortable, uh, you know, emotions. You it, drink beer or whatever, it's going to go away. It's like magic. And so yeah. shielding them from all of that growing up when they're, you know, young or in their tweens or early teens, we're really doing them at such a disservice. Such Um, a
0: disservice. I uh, worked with Joe Newman for a while, and he is episode 30. If you want to go back and listen to that episode. And he talks about this exact thing, how letting children have the experience, like we need to raise people <laughs> not children right so yes. allow allowing them to feel the the range of emotions when they don't get something yes when there's a boundary in place uh and that was again that was really hard for me it, it's hard it, it's just it's hard but it's there's hard. something so satisfying now that i just let him like okay did you, you're you're about to cry. And I don't like, I just watch his little eyes tear up and like, it's okay. You do it. It's, it's so great.
1: And even when it's not a boundary or anything that you've done, when, when a kid is mean at school and they feel sad, you know, instead of trying to make that sadness, like, Oh, that guy, he doesn't know what he's, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, wow, that must've really hurt. That you must be really sad about that. Yeah. Instead of trying to change it into some other emotion for them and just letting them sit with that. Let it be. I can get through this. Like I just need to sit with it for a minute. I can talk about it with my mom. I can go shoot hoops or I can go hop on my bike or whatever. And then and then I'm okay. But if we never let them get there, it's just it it's one of the things that I mean moms find me in particular they usually haven't let their kids have a lot of struggle they have eased the way they have removed the barriers and the obstacles and the uncomfortableness and they have tried everything in their power by putting their own life aside to make their kids lives as smooth as possible and when that happens and they hit these roadblocks that you can't fix, like you get a DUI, mom can't fix that. That's outside of mom's control. Or if you stop going to school, you're going to end up in truancy. Like there are certain things you can't fix. And so if we haven't let them struggle, they don't know that they can solve their own problems and they don't get that pride. A perfect example of that is when my son... um, had lots of legal issues that would be a whole nother episode, but he, I would always kind of step in and solve and solve and solve. And he ended up um, hiring his own lawyer at one point to resolve an issue that I didn't even know. It was one of those things that I did not even know about. And he called me and he said, mama, I feel like such a boss because I hired my own lawyer. Nice. And he was so proud. And if I had done that, if I had stepped in, hired the lawyer, fixed it, okay, you need to call him on Tuesday, need to get to your appointment, you need to make sure you have these files,
0: which is what I would have done. It's it's robbing them of the experience. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And then they don't get to have that pride and
1: that sense of satisfaction to say, wow, this was really hard and I fixed it and I solved it. And again, it goes against, I know the mother's DNA, because we're just
0: wired to do yeah. that. Take care. So, so, we, so we have, okay, I want to just recap real quick. We have, yeah. don't sacrifice for your kids, right? That's well, number don't one. Don't sacrifice everything. Right. Don't sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> do don't sacrifice, sacrifice for everything yourself. for your kids, right? Yes. So find out what lights you up. We have, yeah. don't feel uh, the negative mode. Let them feel, let, let them, them, feel. Feel, let them yeah, feel, let them feel, everything. Yeah. The let them feel everything yeah. and let them struggle. Yeah. Right. That's where we're yeah. at. Okay.
1: Yeah. Don't I sound like an awesome person? Like
0: awesome <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is, is great. This great. is, isn't this just wonderful? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know what I love about these very broad ideas? This is not only for somebody who is struggling in addiction. No, this is like everyday living. And for even, you know, women in recovery, it's like, we can, you know, find something that lights us up. Yeah. A lot of times we get so stuck in these loops of like, oh, it's the same thing every day. I'm going to do the same thing. It's like our lives become boring and humdrum and it's like, ugh, enough already. Find something that lights you up. So recently I started, (laughs) this is crazy. There's a color me, like a color pottery place. You know, you go down there and you color, you know, and my son loves it. He loves it. My husband does not. (laughs) We have so much of the ceramic stuff around the house. But recently I started doing it. And it's something that I just go and it lights me up, like, in a whole new way. Right. This is not anything that I was looking for. Right, right. But nobody is going to bother me in there. No. Like, I don't bring my phone. I walk the two blocks. I'm in, like, it's just me and ceramic and paint. I love it. And it just lights me up. And huh. I just... Finding things it can be a it can be a struggle to find things. It can. Yeah. What, what's what's one thing that lights you up right now? Well,
1: this summer I actually got a stand up paddle board. Which okay,
0: that's in a like all years, the
1: rage. I know Costco. It's Costco's fault actually, okay. because we are all at Costco, and then yeah. we see the stand up paddle board, and we're like, I yeah. want to do
0: that. Yeah. Everybody and- in San Francisco has these things now. Yeah. Which is so, really, okay. That's yeah, something, so it's on my list of things to do.
1: It's fun. It's really fun. And I think, you know, it's like, when did we stop
0: having fun? Well, <laughs> well COVID happened and that true. kind of put the big <laughs> damper on it. True. But in, in the COVID. Sense. Yeah, no, it's so true. Uh, I know for me, Like things get so narrow, focus, work, 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 help, 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 serve my clients, make the plant. Like I get so head down that I forget to have fun. Today, I wouldn't have a facial. Tomorrow I'm getting a massage and a Manny and Patty. Like those little acts of love light me up and I forget. But... So important.
1: So important. And do you think your son benefits from that?
0: Oh. Uh, 100%. 100%. 100%. So 100%. And he even noticed, he even knows, like, he'll, I know he'll make a comment about my face today. Like, I, I know that he and I are so in tune with the, each other. Yeah. Uh, and tomorrow he'll say, okay, bye when it's time for me to leave. Yes. Because, because he wants his mom to
1: be good. Yeah. He wants his mom to be healthy. Yeah. And I, I say all the time to my moms, you are the only one who can give him a healthy mom. Yeah. It is 100% on your shoulders. You got to do it. And they benefit so much from it. They oh, really do because they so need you to be 100%. Yeah.
0: yeah. So true. With your, your son... Now, where is he at in his journey? He is four and a half years past
1: a, uh, I say near fatal fentanyl overdose, (sighs) but it actually was fatal. And then he came back to life. So get out of here. That's a whole nother podcast. But yeah, he, um, he overdosed twice in the same week on a Wednesday and then on Friday from fentanyl laced. Uh, Zex. okay, wait, 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 wait. He's an NDE. Okay, wait, 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 okay, wait. Okay, he did not have a near death um experience, he mm-hmm. he experienced it, but he doesn't have any like stories or he, anything that he, he doesn't died. remember. Anything he died, he yeah, he was found in the backseat of a car, he'd been alone for around three hours and he was foaming at the mouth, he had no yep. pulse. Yep. And he, when the met, when the paramedics got there, they did CPR for half an hour and yep. couldn't get a pulse. And so they intubated him and threw him in the ambulance and got him to the emergency room and they, they had him on a ventilator um, and he was on life support for three days. And,
0: and then he used again after
1: that. He, he would smoke marijuana after that. Yeah. Um, he did survive, obviously. So yes. he survived. Yeah. Um, he yeah, he was in intensive um, physical rehabilitation for a month in the hospital. He had Incredible. a stroke, a heart attack, and all of his organs shut down um, when he overdosed. And so he had to relearn how to walk, how to talk, how to tell yeah. time, how to dial a phone. He was on the stroke unit with all the 90-year-olds, which was yeah. very interesting. Wow. Um, but today he is living a... Huge, amazing, wonderful life. Um, he is actually getting ready to go in the next few months to work at the residential treatment center that he ran away from when he was 17. Okay, I love this.
0: <laughs> I love this. Is this like the one on the trees or something? Uh,
1: it's in Utah. So he was in nine weeks in wilderness therapy and then he went to a residential treatment center. Amazing. He was there. He was supposed to be there for nine months. He... Earned a home visit because he was the model student. Uh So he got to come home to Seattle for a weekend and he landed, had a pot roast dinner because that's his favorite. And then he ran away with the same bad guys that got him into the lifestyle.
0: You know what though? It's just like as, as an addict, as somebody in recovery, like I get it. Yeah. Like I understand him 100%. And the need to escape, Mm -hmm. the need to check out. But I also understand from a like being a mother, right? This like, oh my God, my kid, my child, like my heart like opens. And now like, is he doing any work around fentanyl, around drug abuse? Is he, like, has he specialized in anything? Has he kind of Um, done any kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of, Nonprofit work or gotten into any organizations. Like, that's insane. I know. He hasn't, he's been on a couple of podcasts um, talking about his
1: experience. Yeah. He's been really busy rebuilding his life. Yeah. And so he will be working um, at a treatment program with 18, 19, and 20 year old kids. Amazing. um, When he gets out to Utah. So it's been, A long road, he has done so much work. I mean, so much work on himself and his mindset and his patterns and his, you know, it's just incredible. I'm just so shocked to see somebody do so much work and be a radically
0: different person. What do you think was the shift? Well, we've Because it's not everybody, not everybody gets that right has that kind of OD then yeah. like what what was it do you think um a couple of
1: things one is that he realized that the drugs were going to be bigger than him um that he you know when you wake up in the hospital and he had no short term memory cuz he had he had brain damage and so for the i would say the first 2 weeks every single time he woke up which was like five times a day he had no idea where he was he had no idea what had happened we had to tell him Over and over and over and over. You overdosed, you're in the hospital, you're in Seattle.
0: I mean, it's like he's living that, like living it all over again every day. Yeah. And this is, oh my God, this makes me so crazy. (laughs) So just like the fentanyl, the fentanyl stuff, like makes me. Yeah. Fentanyl
1: um, is is off the charts. So that combined with getting into a new, geography. So we had to get him out of Seattle where all of the people and the triggers were for him. He was very fortunate to be able to live with his dad. And so that was a really positive move to be able to be with family, but out of the area and then getting a job, like getting a job for him was yes. huge. Service. I mean, he was, yeah, he was in partial hospitalization program and then an int- intensive outpatient and then outpatient, you know, he did all of those things. Um, but really finding, and he worked at Marshall's as a cashier, right? I'm not talking like anything extravagant. He was,
0: it doesn't need to be though. No, but it's it gave just him a
1: reason to show up every yep, day. That's it. Keep a schedule but you know, he did so much work. He's, he's got ADHD and, or ADD, um, not the hyperactivity. And so he found ways to structure his life that works for him. Um, but he needed to have a clear head to do that. And he needed to be away from all of the people and all of the things where he lived. Um, because he, you know, he kept going back and back like five years of just going to yep. treatment, coming back and doing no. the same thing, going, you know, it's just this ping pong. And so I, I think that combination of realizing fentanyl is going to kill me, like yep. it it, it yep. kind of did. And yeah. now yeah, it, it did. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just getting out of the area, being with family and getting a job and starting one, one step at a time. Like this was, a lot of work for him. It right. did not happen quickly.
0: But nothing happens quickly. <laughs> no, I mean, but, but kids, again, this in the age that we live in, everything is so instant gratification. And when we walk into recovery, it takes time. It just takes time. And allowing ourselves to go through that process and share it with the family is, I mean, he's lucky that he still has a family, right? Many people don't have families anymore when they start going down that track. I I see there's this, uh, this person, uh, it makes me so sad. But I see there's a couple of people that are homeless and they just sit around and they beg for money and they sleep at the, right. And, and I think, that's somebody's son. That's somebody's daughter. Yeah. And what happened? Where did yeah. that break down? It, it breaks my heart for the whole unit, you know? And I think about our society at large with the drugs and the narcotics, the opioids, like just everything. It's like, we're up against a lot and i do everything now really to kind of break the stigma and break this uh, the shame it's like it needs to end because people are dying and that's why i wanted you to come on the show today because you know what you're the work that you're doing in the world is really supporting families and women and i just i love that so much brenda where can everybody find you? Well, it's just my website, brendazane.com.
1: Beautiful. And everything's there, podcast, community. And yep, yep if you're if you're a mama who is struggling with this, yep. we'll scoop you up. That's
0: scoop them <laughs> up. Uh, Brenda, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for your spirit. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Delightful. Thank you. Mama, may you find something bright, something light, and something so delicious it fills you up so you can be the best mother I know you can be. Until next time, take good care. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening. Please make sure that you leave a review. Really helps the podcast. Enter the drawing for the Sankalpa spray. Shoot me a picture or a DM of where you left that review. I'd love to be able to share my Sankalpa spray with you. Make sure that you check out the DNA coaching here to serve you and bring you into the new year Ah, shining like a star. You've got this until next time. Take good care.